Welcome to the Dasangoy Podcast, a collective exploration of Pakistani history and culture. In this episode of Dastangoy Podcast, we get to sit down with Zain Ahmed, the co-founder and creative director of Pakistani fashion label Rasta. He takes us on an inside journey of how he looks at reinterpreting South Asian artisanship and heritage via his brand. So let's get straight to Zain. Zain, thank you so much for being with us on Dastangoy's podcast. Um I'd love to kind of start off with a little brief history about you, how you come to be, and then how Rasta started, and then we'll just talk a little bit about fashion and 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 and, and narratives about Pakistan and how you know you, you guys are doing what you guys are doing to kind of change that Pakistani traditional streetwear narrative. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of what you do. Um, yeah, just a bit about me. I um, do not have a traditional fashion background. and i remember graduating from university i want to say 2019 and i really did not know what i wanted to do but i knew that it was something related to expressing my creative side and tying in what you know i had learned in pakistan and yeah. what that means to me with with something creative and me and my cousin ismail we decided to start this random idea for a brand um Rasta wear the name was first Rasta wear <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't don't judge me on that yeah. but um yeah we just released two hoodies and two designs i didn't know anything about fashion but what i did sort of realize was that the idea started to catch on because something like this wasn't really being done out of out of pakistan the idea of you know proudly wearing your culture and your heritage um you know on your sleeve wasn't something that was being done and then that led to me wanting to explore more of of my own country and i found it very funny that i had grown up in pakistan predominantly and i didn't know that much about my own country because of the fact that you know we're we're sort of taught to be apologetic when it comes to be yeah. pakistani yeah. and that's something that's ingrained in us and <clears throat> it was a lot of unlearning for me so came back to pakistan after graduating from ubc did did the two design two hoodies and then just sort of dove into fashion wanted to make this into like a contemporary or a luxury brand which incorporated pakistan's heritage and artisanship that's the that's the big thing because we have so much when it comes to offering the world in terms of you know artisanship and heritage yeah. and that's where our second collection came out and things just started to really move forward and people were like oh wow this sort of stuff happened in pakistan and then again you know the press some celebrities and now here we are at volume 4 yeah we're at volume 4 now yeah. just got done with volume 4 yeah it's 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 brilliant to see and it's also for me what's really interesting is when you usually look at handicrafts or the people the makers of Pakistan Southeast uh-huh. Asia India and Dekhlo Pakistan and Dekhlo people usually tend to discount them that it's very difficult to get to and and you know there's always this this misunderstanding where most people mm-hmm. will not want to get there or be like oh okay this is like ye sialkot mein bana hua hai so it's not good quality like this is <laughs> thing so it it comes from a, like a lower background i'd much rather buy something else that's done on a machine or whatever because the narrative that people are able to spin outside in the west 
is that this is more valuable, although it's being done in China, mass produced in a factory with like thousands exactly. of coming out per second. But mm-hmm. I think what handicraft people and, and what makers struggle with is marketing themselves, <clears throat> is showcasing mm-hmm. their value and is telling their yeah. story. Because their story is like thousands of years old and the care and the authenticity that goes with the work that they do. And you guys do it very yeah. good because you, you're, you're not just uh, leveraging that story. You're, you're giving the, the spotlight to the makers, like the video series. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very beautifully put together and it showcases these, these beautiful block printers that are doing the work. And you do it in a way which makes people in our generation understand. Because yeah. what also happens is there's a disconnect between the makers and our generation. Because in our parent generation, they understand goti ka kaam kya hota hai. They understand ke block printing kya hoti hai, kaha pe hoti hai, and how valuable. Yeah. But our yeah. generation, the 2030s, we haven't really grown up with that. A lot of us have been, you know, looking at social media and other things, and we've been looking outside yeah. for inspiration. And the beauty of what you're doing is it's it's really kind of taking contemporary Western clothing but still keeping the roots and building that narrative around, which brings an understanding of, of Pakistan, but also does it in a way which people are more used to nowadays, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things that's very important to look at is that Pakistan ke andar, jo hai, wo aaj ke daur mein shock se banda, majburi se banda. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that you block printing is block printing shock artist artisans room for experimentation room for being creativity because they don't have that leveraging power yeah once you give anybody who has that kida of being an artist, that that blank canvas to do what you want to do, magic starts to happen. And we 100%. really need to, yeah, we really need to understand the the history behind all of this as well. <clears throat> For the past 30, 40 years uh, or so, itni purani baat chalti aari ke artisanship jana wa Pakistan me decline karti jari. Hamare jo partner artisan hai, block printer, sorry, Aslam Saab, he has been block printing for about 40-50 years. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, exactly. He, right? He's been in that family for, for so long. I only know this. Yeah. But now, frankly, when I met him, he said that I do not want to block print. This, what, this is what an artisan said. An artist, can you imagine a writer or a filmmaker saying that, Bhai, nahi karna, maaf kar yeah. because it doesn't, it doesn't pay well. It literally does not pay well. And there's no room for experimentation. There's no room for an artisan being allowed to be an artist. Artisan or artist is a lot Artisan is someone who has that skill and is being guided to do this, 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 this. If you look at Rasta's work, what you'll realize is that whatever artisanal technique that we're working with, we're doing it in a very unique sort of way. Our block printing isn't like traditional 
Mughal or Pakistani block printing where you have these borders that are scanned their topic image. It's very dystopian. It's very spread out, and it's sort of just breaking the rules. And we have to allow these artisans to do that. Even when I was making this collection around um, the relationship of truck art and truck drivers, what I realized was that after doing a lot of research, was that a lot of these truck artists, they they don't experiment. If you if you you've been to Pakistan, right? Yeah, yeah. If you look at a if you look at a Pakistani truck that's painted, you'll realize that the general motifs are the same. The same. Yeah. Why is that? It's because ha once you have painted it, the idea is this mindset ko change karna padega. This mindset ko change karna padega ki we can be more than this. We have the tools and we have the skills and we have the people who jinke andar wo keeda hai artist banne ka. Dude, it's, unko chance dena padega. it's so true and it's 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 incredible that you say these things. You can yeh cheeze mein like I see this in the tech industry as well. We're very good at doing but we like getting the idea and like taking a step back. from that daily wage thing i mean obviously aapki economy badhegi log ke paas paise aayenge zyada and they're going to be able to experiment but i see that as well like we're great at service businesses we're not great at being entrepreneurs that are visionary that are making new things right exactly and so how do you do that and and it's so beautifully put by you ke jab aapki wo dehadi wali mentality chale jati hai wo apology like that apologetic kind of mentality goes away and you start to take and understand the beauty in the art that you're doing and people start to value yeah. you for who you are and what you're doing then yeah actual beauty starts to come out yeah <clears throat> and i think a lot of it has to do with years and years of trauma ke bhai jeb ke andar paise jayenge ke nahi yeah the first thing i do when i meet any artisan is that bhai paise ki tension mat lo paise aapko idhar se bahut aayenge ज्यादा आएंगे जो आप इधर लोकली बना रहे हो और आते भी हैं वी गिव देम लॉट मोर देन व्हाट दे वुड मेक लोकली जब वो रोटी की टेंशन खत्म हो जाती है ना इंसान के अंदर देन सॉर्ट ऑफ मैजिक डज स्टार्ट टू हैपन बिकॉज़ वी हैव दिस बेसिक इंस्टिंक्ट वी लिव इन अ फ्रिकिंग कैपिटलिस्टिक सोसाइटी वेयर वी नीड टू सॉर्ट ऑफ यू नो अर्न अ बेयर मिनिमम व्हेन यू टेक अवे दैट स्ट्रेस व्हेन यू सॉर्ट ऑफ शेल्फ दैट ट्रॉमा um विद योर विद योर टीम and you sort of give them the permission to make mistakes and to just just be to express then really magic starts to happen in a very collaborative environment imagine a hand weaver and a block printer and a designer and a freaking production manager sitting on the same table just yeah. hashing out ideas without thinking ki are ye cheez bikegi ki nahi us waqt jo hai na phir ek badi interesting cheez hoti hai That's amazing to hear what you're doing. Yeah. Like it's honestly it's it's incredible to see that and it's yeah. And it shows in the work as well like the level of detail, the way you guys go about it, the way you guys look at your campaigns. It's it's actually stunning. If we take a shift into the consumer side of things and look mm-hmm. at street culture in Pakistan. I mean, yeah. I am not very aware of what's going on because I've just been outside of Pakistan for so long and as I'm meeting mm-hmm. people I'm starting to understand the film economy, I'm understanding <clears throat> I'm understanding the artists and everything like that. So I'd love to kind of get an understanding from you. How has the street culture in Pakistan developed, and what it is? What has it developed around? Like you know, sometimes it's hip hop, sometimes it's 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 basketball, sometimes it's biking. Like there's different kinds and there's different niches, right? Like yeah. How does Pakistan? Like how does Pakistan fit into this? And what are some of the things? that are for instance very prevalent in lahore to karachi or to islamabad like do you see these kinds of narratives coming up so what i have noticed is that ever since rasta started to gain distraction um 
there has been an immense amount of leveraging that has tried to go on to enter the streetwear space without essentially understanding what streetwear is. You, you and I can start a band, brand tomorrow with t-shirts and hoodies and say, oh, it's selling streetwear. Yes, that, that's not streetwear, right? But it's happening. Rose of, you know, streetwear brand, stylish and stuff like that. So there's, there's going to be an oversurge of supply of like streetwear. Yeah. And what's going to happen is that these brands are going to start to compete on price. And that's already so, happening. Pakistan And a lot of the stuff comes from uh, from China and it's very easy to do and it, it gets dumped into Pakistan and then you put Facebook and you get everyone. Right? And what's going to happen is that most of these brands are going to die because they're not going to have the capital to sustain those low costs to maintain that sale price. And then the brands with the narrative who are actually streetwear are going to stay alive. I've, I haven't seen many of them. If I'm being very honest, there was one brand um, out of Karachi, Hef Clothing, which uh, I wouldn't say it was like a um, you know, contemporary or luxury streetwear brand, but, but the essence of it was you know, Karachi street culture. Yeah. I, I don't know if it exists anymore, but... Um, the essence of why that brand started was something to do with what Karachi is about, you know, what different subcultures are about. So any advice that I would give to anybody trying to start a streetwear brand in Pakistan is nail down a subculture, nail, nail down a narrative, nail down what's going on in your country, in your city, even Galiyome. Even barbershops, if you want to start a streetwear brand around barbershops, do it fine, you won't make uh, that much money or you might even like Supreme did. Supreme wasn't set out to make a shit ton of money. It was something that I like to call like a niche spillover where you yeah. sort of dominate this subculture and then everybody else is like, oh, I want to be like them. And then the masses start to buy. So Pakistan is streetwear culture, but all for the wrong reasons. And it's sort of, uh, it's catastrophic and scary if I'm being very honest. Yeah, it all cheese we wanna notice Kenya, like because in Pakistan there aren't, or at least I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, there haven't been that many Western clothing brands, right? It's in Pakistan mm-hmm. is still I mean, retail is growing at one of the fastest pace around the world in Pakistan, right? Eight mm-hmm. percent annual growth rate, which is ridiculous in terms of retail, offline retail. Pakistan e-commerce okay, offline. offline. Um online okay. is like less than a percentage of total retail in Pakistan right now. But yeah, if, if you look at the way fashion brands have evolved, like we have these big generations, we have these big Cardis, we have these Sapphires. So women's clothing has been very big and, and very prominent, like yeah. and, and Also, Pakistan is a market of tailoring, right? Like always and have been for the longest time. There haven't been that many prevalent brands to come out, especially prevalent brands in Western clothing. Now you have Republic yeah. Umar Farooq, you have... Um, HS Outfitters. Outfitters. Is Urban Outfitters fast or is it fashion. just? It's just Outfitters Pakistan. It's like a fast fashion brand out of Pakistan. They're actually doing well in terms of their bottom line from what I've okay. heard. Um, I, I did not know. Yeah, I, I've heard of it. I thought it, was, I thought it was part of Urban Outfitters, but I had a feeling that it probably was. But there have, like, this is a very recent kind of undertaking. Now, like, there haven't been that many brands to begin with. So mm-hmm. how... And also Pakistan is, is, is one of the markets where majority of the people, like a lot of the people still 
do wear shalwar kameez. Like shalwar kameez is, is a very prominent thing. And then one thing, when we started talking, you also mentioned, which was, which I, I kind of agree and disagree with, not in the Western sense, but in the Eastern sense. Like you still have that kind of thing. Right? But yeah. in, a, in a Western sense, we haven't created our own perspective of what Western clothing in a Pakistani context looks like. And I think yeah. you're, you're doing that at a, at a niche, but I'd be curious as to what you think, why that hasn't happened in a more public scale, in a, in a more... Uh, in in Pakistan? In Pakistan. Just, just in Pakistan? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the main reason is because we're priced at a contemporary price point on uh, considering like global standards. So if we're selling a $90 t-shirt in Pakistan, people are not going to buy a $90 t-shirt. Now they're starting to do that. Like our customer base in Pakistan, I think almost tripled for volume four. So it's, it's, it's slowly increasing, yeah. which is very good. We might even start like a offshoot, you know, very minimalist sort of brand for Pakistan, just so that we can accommodate for um, that lack of a receptive price point with the main Rasta line. And I'm very confident that if I do it the right way, I can capture that market. Just because what my strength is, is just, just tying in different narratives together and making people sort of feel like they're part of the story. And I think that um, it's something that isn't that hard to do. There are brands that are making Western clothing and now they're capturing that Pakistani market on like a much bigger scale. There's uh, Sapphire West, there's Almas, you know, you have these people who are doing these things, but what they're lacking is that sort of very strong overarching narrative that we have to be a part of this. It's essentially, it's still a product. Yeah. There's, there's not many people in Pakistan who are tying in a narrative to the product. Zara Shah Jahan is one. Yeah. People really she buy into the that. brand. Yeah. Uh, Omar Farooq uh, is one. I don't know if he still is that, is that good at it, but there was a time where people were really buying into the brand. So we might, you know, start doing something locally for Pakistan in terms of streetwear because people wouldn't mind paying like an exclusive price for that even compared to a suit just because of the way you know we've changed our thinking pakistan mein wo cheez abhi nahi hai t-shirt and hoodie is still like oh you know, sweatshops are made, we will just take H&M for 1,000 or 1,200. So that narrative needs to change. And not only about craftsmanship, also about storytelling. Oh yeah, 100%. I think, that, I think if you create a t-shirt and a hoodie that is around a very important message and people feel like they need to be a part of the story, you can sell that for a much higher price point without having any craftsmanship involved. It's about how you peak the customer's emotional interest, right? But then yeah. again, you have to deal with their uh, consumer habits as well, their barriers. Why do they not want to buy a t-shirt and a hoodie? So it's, it's a very long process. Or it's going to price bought, but I do it. 100%. Do you see, because I see this in Dubai a lot, and I'm sure that Pakistan is the same, where people value Pakistani items much less. And they would much yes. rather go and they will, like, if you have a t-shirt, 
London ke kisi bhi kone mein bhi rakh dete people would much rather go buy it from London than they would from a street corner in 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 Pakistan 100% so we have this sort of self depreciating narrative that we considered ourselves we consider ourselves as sort of a mere cog within the global supply chain that Pakistan is just the producers and the suppliers when it comes to fashion yeah. the funniest thing is jab pakistani bahar jata hai sabse pehle wo zara पाकिस्तान के अंदर मैंगो खोल चुका है there's a lot of ingrained unlearning that needs to be done uh, as pakistanis and the main i actually made a tweet about this that the main job of rasta isn't to sell a 500 dollar jacket it isn't to sell a t-shirt or a hoodie it's to change the way pakistan is perceived within the global fashion industry that contemporary and luxury yeah. can come out of uh pakistan Do the best win would be if brands like zara shah jahan were also being featured by high beast and bow because they should be 100% 100% i mean the narratives are so strong the quality of workmanship is so high it's just it comes back to that perceived value of pakistan right like how do you change the pakistan yeah. narrative how do you exactly. change people's people's perceptions of what pakistan kind of represents and 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 the quality of work that comes out of there you get agar aap ek it's it's a case in point right like look at apple designed in california mm-hmm. made in china but if it was just designed in california uh, designed in china and made in china you would not <laughs> pay 3000 or over lakh 2 lakh rupees for a phone yeah yeah exactly exactly it's and all about perception that, that shit takes time man sometimes it can take 5 10 years even more even more and, and if i'm being like very honest and humble i would say that whatever international press we've gotten i think that other brands should have gotten it before us yeah dara shah jahan ho gaye um you know bunto kazmi she she has a huge international clientele anyway she doesn't need that press but these people are doing you know so much uh, for pakistan but why have they not gotten that international press i think the answer lies over there and it's something to do with the fact that they're not catering towards that diaspora audience which yeah. can get them that international press but when you that, look at india they're getting their you know sort of eastern designers get international press all the time but see what i think that india does really well is i think india is very good at their storytelling like they have they their are. their karigari storytelling mm-hmm. um the way that they do their workmanship like they have that down like they know that they will get 10x the return for opening up in london or anywhere else and there will be customers they're also very proud yeah. they're also very proud wo is tarah ke nahi hai ke bhai oh ho hum to pakistani hai matlab like raw mango ko dekho raw mango is very much indian and then the prices yes. that they charge are extremely you know it's it's a it's a high price point but it's beautiful kapoor yeah dhruv kapoor nor black nor white uh, you have you have these brands that no black or white exactly the street yeah. recognition yeah And so it's it's interesting to see how the space is developing to be honest do you see more people like i just i'm still very curious do you see people's perspective changing like with 
the price point that you're launching your stuff at are people like like are they trying to haggle you like when you when you do a pop up for instance are mm-hmm. people like nahi yaar tum to mujhe jante ho like 50% kam do ye 20% kam do like is that culture still there or are people like understanding the fact that okay dude this is you know work and sweat and tears have been put into yeah. this yeah this is a small drop and you know like the the value basically yeah um so when we first started off that was a problem but now it isn't as much so like i said when we first started off our customer base in pakistan was i want to say less than 5% and then it went up to 10 then like between 15 and 20 so it's going up and up and up and up and people have stopped started haggling ab log literally cash on delivery ke liye bhi message nahi karte pakistan mein baithe baithe they go on the website they order something they're like fuck we're going to buy it uh without having to speak with the owner ke discount do is tarah karo is tarah karo so wo cheez aista aista change ho rahi hai and the one thing that i realized is that the most important thing in this space when it comes to changing consumer psychology and perspective yeah. is is time patience It's time yes. and patience and and being calculated you 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 can't expect this thing to to be done over it's like going to therapy it's, it's compounding You're, right yeah exactly yeah nice and so when you for instance go to think of a next volume or a next iteration of what you want to do what are some of the narratives that you try to play on is it a continuous story that you're telling i mean your overarching theme to chalo samajh aa gayi rasta ki but when you do mm-hmm. specific drops what is what is it that you're trying to tell with each each particular um volume So what I realized is that essentially I'm not a fashion designer I'm a storyteller. The underbelly of each collection that I make has a very deep rooted story and narrative behind it. That might not be the reason why people buy the stuff. Some people don't give a shit about the story but for me the narrative and the story is very important. Like the collection about the relationship of truck drivers and truck artists that was something that I really dove deep into. So with every collection it's important for me to really try to really try to work around a narrative and tell some sort of a story and that's what i'm doing for this next little drop as well even though it's a very small drop mm-hmm. i'm doing a lot of research for it i'm reading books you know diving into you know research articles and what not because i know that's what's important for me for me the process is the most important thing customer in the sort of end of product dekhna but what what's going to keep me alive is a to z not when it gets to z right yeah. so that narrative is something that's tied into each collection and you're going to see more and more of it and what you might see with rasta is that we might start to include very important messaging within our clothes kind of like how supreme did so maybe political elements maybe not i don't know i don't want to get picked up or anything but that that could be something that we do hitting on important issues really diving deep and trying to get people to ask questions that's very hard to do with fashion and that's why sometimes i think that maybe a few years down the line i would want to maybe make a film or write a book or something as well because essentially i'm a storyteller and if i'm not able to do that with fashion to the best of my ability i, I would have to take stock of what i'm doing so in the future you you guys would probably see more storytelling with rasta it's interesting you say that because then clothing just becomes a medium for you right like it is clothes it is. is just a, another medium you could go into film mm-hmm. go into something else you could go into audio yes. um art yes. whatever 
Yeah, and it's interesting because I think Tom Ford said the same thing as well, where he was like, you know, I want to tell stories. I want to tell some sort of a narrative and convey it to people. And that's kind of why he stepped away from fashion for a, for a few years to make the films that he made, because filmmaking allows you the opportunity to just tell more of a holistic story because people are engaging with the film for the They're story. They're immersed not in it, yeah. Not for, the, not for the product. Fashion is tricky in that sense. Interesting. So if we go into you personally, what are some of the most vivid memories that you have growing up in Pakistan? Growing up in Pakistan. So when I was a kid, I played cricket a lot. I played cricket with my friends. That's Punjabi. And that's something that I think is a strength for me. They can relate to that as well. So I was always very like rebellious out on the streets playing cricket, um, you know, so I was very just sort of like in, in the streets in, in, in that sense. But at the same time, I was also very, you know, involved in a household that was big, structured, joint family. So you see how joint families in Pakistan, um, structure and function. Eid was, was a big thing. I think for any Pakistani kid growing up in, in Pakistan, you could actually make a whole movie or a fucking collection around <laughs> three days of Eid in Pakistan, the drama that yeah. ensues across those three days. So growing up in Pakistan was very interesting for me. But what I did realize was that when I left Pakistan for university, um, I don't know why, I, I, I tried to put that identity behind me. And okay. that was very interesting that amongst, you know, w- w- Caucasians, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to sort of mold my identity to fit in with what's going on in, let's say, that university in Canada. And that happened for a series of four years. I joined a fraternity. I, um, I started to become a little whitewashed, if you want to say. And then... Right at the end of it, before starting Rasta, I was like, okay, no, I have more to offer than just, you know, being molded by someone else. Yeah. And that was just sort of breaking through those chains. And that's what Rasta is honestly a product of. So it's been it's been a weird ride with my own relationship with, with Pakistan. It's it's fascinating how you, you say that because, yeah, so Rasta is basically you kind of trying to learn back or create that story again. Yeah. Yeah, and in a very rebellious manner. So if you look at Rafa's clothes, you might notice that it's very dystopian, rebellious. Like you have these like really fucked up, distressed elements. And that's what my sort of mind is like. That's awesome. That's awesome. So when you describe Pakistan to someone who's never been there, Mm -hmm. how do you describe Pakistan? Um, I would describe Pakistan as just a sea of of chaos where there's a shit ton of pearls and everybody's trying to grab them, but nobody can because they're in water. But there's so many pearls. <laughs> there's just there's these waves and there's this chaos, but then you have the pearls there. So it's, it's kind of like being stuck in traffic in Lahore. It sucks, but it's also kind of amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Instagram and YouTube for more stories. You can get in touch with us via email contactdastanboy at gmail.com. 
Until next time. Thank you. Shukriya. Mehrbani. Khudafiz.